0: the thing is, it's like, we get so hung up on the details of our pain. And it's like, well, no one's story has been exactly like mine. And no one, you know, was in a relationship with as big of a douchebag as my guy. And it's just like, pain is pain is pain. It's like, you can't. And that's why I feel like we don't get the validation for our pain from certain people in our lives, especially people who have been through like real hardships, like I feel like there's always a comparison between, especially on social media, there's a comparison between like, oh, well, there are kids starving in, you know, this country right now. So we don't care about your self image or your body dysmorphia, where it's like, I get why people might say that. But when we start comparing our pain to other people's pain, whether it's to validate our pain or to diminish its value it's just not helpful. It's not helpful to you and therefore you're no longer helpful to other people. And so i think being able to just recognize what we're feeling as pain without tr- having to put a label on it or dissect all the different components of why it is that we're feeling a certain way, it gives us more of a freedom to just heal and to kind of make our situation a little bit more generic and in that way be able to relate to other people who have gone through pain.
1: I'm Doug Bopes Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes, and today's guest is wellness influencer, Aurora Culpo. Aurora is a mother of two and a certified yoga instructor and has a passion for providing real, raw, and relatable insights on all things wellness, parenting, mental health, relationships, and more. Aurora has quite the story of her own, and today we're going to get into all the things. Also, be sure to check out the Colpo Family Reality Show that is set to premiere later this year on Discovery Plus. So let's get this conversation going and welcome Aurora Colpo to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Aurora, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: I'm pumped to chat with you. Uh, like I think as I, we've talked about like before we recorded, there's so much that we have in common and there's so much for us to kind of dive into. And I think the first place I want to go is just something that recently that you have been talking about. And that is like the idea of like photo editing. And you opened up in a recent Instagram post and talked about like where you were as far as like what was going through your head, like editing photos and how like certain ones were just photoshopped and they, and they weren't you and you did some editing to your face even. And I guess what I wanted to, to start with is like, what goes through that? Like, let's just walk me through like the step-by-step of like what's going on in your, in your mind. Like where's your mindset at when you're thinking about taking a photo and then editing it to make yourself like look better, feel better and that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. So I think there's so many different angles to to look at this from. I actually don't consider myself to be somebody who's really had a lot of body issues in the past. Like I've had a handful of friends, you know, kind of strange relationships with food, um, kind of you, this thing of body dysmorphia, where you look at yourself, you think you're too, you think you look one way and, and you try to eat and adjust your habits in order to have this body that really can never attain. I don't think I really was ever in that boat. However, so this is why it surprised me when I'm looking back at these photos that I put out on the internet and I, and I had edited and I was like, at this time, I don't remember thinking like, Oh, I, I look fat or, Oh, I wish my body looked more like this. It was almost, it's almost like when you're in the mirror and you're looking to, if you're up close at something, looking at it for too long, and then you start tweaking things to try to be like, Oh, you know, this can always be a little bit improved. This can be, you know, I I guess my hair looks okay, but like it can always be a little bigger. Or there was a while there on the internet where all girls kind of started looking like the same girl. kind of like this, like Kardashian girl, like almond eyes, the pouty lips, everybody, they all started morphing into this like brat style. So, so when I discovered Facetune, I was like, oh, look, you can make the lips like a little bigger. You can make the eyes a little wider. You can make the whites of the eyes a little bit whiter. You start learning all the things that like make you look younger. And then it kind of almost turns into a little bit of an obsession where it's like, you can't just post a picture as it is because there's always improvements that can be made. And it's a slippery slope. And then it wasn't until, I wouldn't say I even did this with every photo, but like now I can look back at like some of my old photos and be like, oh, that's that's heavily edited because that's the, like there's no pores on this face or there's no face i'm on I'm on a little bit of a rant right now, but i think I think what happened is you develop a tool for thinking that you can improve the way you look, and then you realize not until retrospect that all the editing was in vain because it's obvious at this point and I'm happy for this. I think we've kind of turned a corner on a social media where people are no longer really looking for that airbrushed photo because it, you can't trick anybody anymore. Like we all have a trained eye because we're so susceptible because we've been exposed to so many photos that we know what it what's an edited photo and what isn't. So For me, what I decided to do a couple, I think maybe last year, is I said unfiltered. So I wasn't going to filter my photos anymore. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't sometimes use the Paris filter, which just gives you like a nice blur if you don't really want to be seen that much that day. But like I no longer use the filters that's going to give you a different face. I no longer edit my photos in a way that's going to change my body or my face. I might add like you know some extra tones or something like, i'll edit it for an artistic reason but i won't edit it in order to change the way i look so all of that
1: <laughs> well yeah thanks for sharing all of that and like opening up not only from a personal perspective but also just from a perspective of like the people that you've spent time with and how this has all uh, impacted them and i believe that our external world is a reflection of how we feel about ourselves internally And knowing what you know about maybe what you just shared about like the photos that you've edited or even the people that you know, do you think that when people are editing photos, like they're feeling like their highest selves or typically do you think when people are looking to like take their image online and take it to that next level in a way that's not so authentic, is it because there's something going on inside that they're lacking, that they're yearning and they're feeling insecure about and they're hoping to get some sort of validation from that improvement in that photo?
0: Yeah, that's such a good question because it's like what it's almost like the what came first, the chicken or the egg. I think like in this day and age, we want to put ourselves out there to be seen, to be heard, to see ourselves like understood by other people before we're actually ready to be our authentic selves for an audience. I think that when you're editing your photos and you're not really ready to show you as you are you're not ready for authentic communication with any kind of an audience or with any, with anybody in in general. So, I mean, I think what ends up happening is that you kind of burn out and there's this like low vibe kind of depression that happens after a while because the validation that you do get, you know that it's not, it's not real because that's not what they're validating is the false image of yourself that you put out there. So then you kind of feel like you need to keep up that, that persona or that facade and and you burn out and it's like there was a while when I remember my sister Sophie, she was like, Olivia and I had discovered Facetune. One of my sisters is Olivia and my other sister is Sophie. They're also in the Instagram world. And Olivia and I were like, oh, like FaceTune, you can just like Sophie would be like, I don't want to post this, look at like my, you know, my my underwear showing. And we'd be like, oh well you can just FaceTune it. And she's like, what's FaceTune? And we're like, oh you don't know about FaceTune? Like you can just do this, that, and the other thing. And she's like, I don't want to use that because it makes me feel bad about myself if people like the photo that I've edited, you know?
1: I mean, no, and I think, I guess what I wanted to say as a reflection of that is that all like totally makes sense, right? Is that like, it's like what comes first, the chicken or the egg. And I think there's so much that we all yearn for as, as human beings. I think we yearn for security. We yearn for connection. We yearn for meeting validation, but it's like, like, where are you going to get that from? Are you going to get that from yourself from within because of how you feel about yourself, like as your truest self, and maybe also as a reflection of the people you spend time with and like what you're doing to make the world a better place? Or are you constantly on this slippery slope where you're seeking validation from, like, you know, toxic relationships, social media, vanity, fame, and that sort of thing, which we all know is just, it's just fleeting and it it disappears so fast. And I know when you and I were chatting on Instagram, you were like, you know, we could talk about all, all sorts of things, including addiction. Did this Kind of thing with you, like editing the photos and just kind of like adjusting the way you looked, was that what you meant when you, as far as addiction, was that addicting for you or was there something else in your life that impacted you as a way of addiction?
0: Yeah, no, I don't think I've ever, I don't think the editing of photos ever got to a place where I found it to be addicting. For me, it was kind of more of something that I look back at now and I see maybe, it wasn't the norm but it was but it's striking enough to me just to see that at one point i thought that that was the, a better version of myself to put out there a version that was going to get more connection because ultimately that's what we all want we want to be seen we want to feel heard we want to feel connected and i feel almost sad for that person that felt that like they couldn't put the real version of themselves out there because it because she wouldn't be getting same connection that like the improved version might get. When I speak about addiction, for me, addiction has kind of seen a lot of different shapes and forms in my life. I can't pinpoint one particular thing, whether it be alcohol or whether it be, you know, when I was in law school, I would just, I was taking Adderall for a long time. It's been different things throughout my life that have given me a source of energy that were not sustainable. And I think during a point in my life that might've been getting outside attention from people on Instagram. And then that kind of burned out where you learned that like, okay, that doesn't actually fill my cup anymore. Like when you find that you're having, having to alter photos or paint yourself in a light in order to get connection that doesn't feel authentic at the end of the day, then you end up burning out. I feel like I'm always, I'm kind of like a roller coaster. I, I, I've been addicted to running. I've been addicted to yoga. I've, I've been to a couple of AA meetings, and everybody there was like, "You're not an alcoholic." But I'm like, "But I really feel like I might be." I don't know. Like, I'm just kind of like, I'm addicted to, I'm addicted to whatever it is in that moment. And there always comes a point where I'm like, "Okay, yeah, this isn't it either." And it, that's that's the time when I turn inward, and that's the time when you when you really have to. I feel like I've hit rock bottom enough times in my life where like I know that the person in there that's the real me and then there's the person in there that's watching me do all these kind of like roller coaster things like whatever my addiction might be for the for that year, month or phase in my life.
1: Right. It, you hear that a lot, right? And especially people who are on social media a good bit where they're ju- they just find certain things to fill their cup in authentic way, I guess. Like sporadically. Like it might be attention on social media. It might be editing the photos. It might be drugs and alcohol. It might just be like social connections where they always have to be with people. It might be like running, like you said, could be exercising. And it seems to me, like just from listening to you, I heard you on a podcast, and it just seems like you're you're an old soul. And I could be wrong. I could be completely like misjudging this, but it seems like you've you've lived like a pretty full life already you know you're a mom you've done a lot with yourself thus far and based on what you said i can imagine there's been a lot of inner work that's had to be done to kind of get you to where you are so like what have been some of the the keys to becoming like the the whole version of yourself now where you've had to do some internal work so that you don't fall into some of these traps that you just spoke about
0: yeah i mean honestly i wish i could say that that i've I found the path, and like I think everybody thinks like the goal is to reach the spiritual enlightenment, and at that point, like there's no more pain and and there's no more suffering. But the thing is, it's like you know, life comes at you, and you're gonna it's gonna throw all these situations at you, and you can ride that merry-go-round however many times you want until you ultimately learn the lesson. And some of these lessons I'm still learning. The one that I'm currently learning right now is not to compromise myself and my standards for my company in order to avoid being alone. I think a lot of times that's people's ultimate fear in life is being alone and they're willing to kind of put up with you know people in their lives who don't see the best in them or who don't bring out the best in them and 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 I feel like for me, there's been a lot of iterations of this in my life, particularly with like romantic relationships and, and friendships where I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to say no to this because like, maybe then I'm going to be alone. And, I, and and that's like, the, for me, like the bit, this most scary thing ever. And it's interesting how it manifests also on Instagram where it's like, I better put this edited photo up because like, if I don't, maybe I'll be alone. <laughs> you know, it's just like, I can, I can almost see the thinking of that person who put up that edited version because it's like, Okay, it doesn't really matter the quality of my company. As long as I'm not alone, it's going to be better than nothing. And that's something that I think once you realize what your thing is, whether it's like I don't want to be alone or I don't want to be poor or I don't want to die or whatever Whatever your thing is, once you know it, like for me, what I'm really practicing right now is is being okay with being alone and being okay with when I feel that like uncomfortable feeling, whatever it might be. Instead of running from it, like quite literally, like putting on my running shoes and going for a jog or doing something about it, I think sitting with your feelings and letting them actually like pass through you and, and realizing that like, okay, I, I feel this. It feels like it's going to kill me. It feels like it's suffocating me, but actually realizing that you can, it's not killing you. And the only way out of you is through you. So the more times you push it away, the more times you put a bandaid on it, the more times you fill the void with that, you know, crappy relationship that you you pushed all the signs away for fear of not wanting to be alone, it's always going to come back and find you. So I think just like feeling your emotions fully. And the best way that I've learned how to do that is to sit in meditation. And that's a practice that I've on and off throughout my life have come back to. Not always been consistent with it. But what I do know at this point in time is that it really is the only way to move past something and to make yourself open enough to receive what's next for you.
1: We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second, but first I wanted to give a quick shout out to my mentor and past podcast guest, Larry Indiviglia. Larry is excited to share an innovative fitness product that can help you build muscle faster, reduce your risk of injury, and optimize your workout. He has been absolutely raving about these B3 bands developed by B3 Sciences. The B3 bands are based on a scientific discovery that uses BFR, also known as blood flow restriction which uses the body's natural systems to produce results that can change the way you exercise forever. The bands are lightweight, portable, waterproof, and easy to use. The B3 bands have over 40 plus years of research and also come with a 30-day money-back guarantee if you aren't satisfied. So ride the B3 band wave today. Check out B3 Sciences today and follow the link in the show notes for more information and to order. And don't forget there's a 30-day money-back guarantee for any B3 band purchase. Now back to the show yeah that's so well said and one of the things i'll often say is that you feel way more alone being around people that don't bring the best out in you than you ever will like spending time intentionally alone and i think once you can get past that and just know that just because you're spending time alone doesn't make you a loser doesn't make you a failure doesn't mean you'll never find love doesn't mean you won't ever find like other friends or whatever Like you understand that like you're learning so much more about yourself in those moments because let's face it, like your environment creates like a sense of normalcy and you will begin to accept certain things as normal if you continue to spend enough time with those people in your life that you won't even realize that you've kind of grown accustomed to that and you've almost like morphed into the people around you. And meditation is such a powerful tool. I remember when I was going through a breakup right before, or I guess it was right during, I guess it was during COVID. Like one of the things that really got me through was I would play this 10 minute meditation, like every single day. And I'm like somebody who can't sit still, but that 10 minute meditation for me just got me by for the first like few weeks or whatever. And I was able to kind of get through it. And there's a lot of people listening to this that probably experienced the same thing that, that I do. And that you just kind of touched on where meditation we all know is, is a great tool but it can be hard to to stick to just because it requires so much patience and and often time and you're a mom and, and you've got kids and you're like always trying to figure out like where you can budget extra time to take care of yourself so what have been some of your best practices like when you're going through it to be able to implement something as helpful as meditation into your life um in the best way possible
0: my current favorite thing. So I live in LA, I do a lot of driving. I am a huge Audible fan. I listen to meditations um, in my car. I listen to I can read you my whole book list. It's like I'm like a self-help junkie, but I've read them all and there's certain books that come back into my life that that kind of take on a new job at different times. Like I, I, re- I read A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson when I was going through a really bad breakup, you know, 10 years ago. And and whether it's like the loss of a relationship or the loss of a job or the loss of really any kind of change in your life where, where you're having to pivot, it, I feel like it's always good to not feel alone. And I feel like that's what I get from these books. I, that's what I get from these meditations as well. Just that like, we are infinitely connected. We're not the first person to experience, you know, a breakup or a hardship. And there are people who have been through such tragedies that have been able to, you know, use the simple skill of just sitting in silence and letting the feelings pass through you and, and feeling connected to nature. And there's there's just so much out there to learn from that I've I definitely feel like listening to these great sages speak their truth and talk about their stories kind of gets me out of my own head and makes me feel more connected.
1: It makes total sense. And I think you brought up like a really good point in that oftentimes when we're going through these challenges, one of the biggest things that trips us up is we feel that we're the only person that is or will ever go through what we're going through. And once we listen to a book, like you said, or it's a meditation, or maybe we're like at an AA meeting, I mean, that's why I think they're so popular is because you realize like, like you're not alone.
0: Yeah. And this actually isn't about alcohol. Right. <laughs> like, you know, the, I actually loved it. I was like, I, I want to be part of this club. Like this feels like, you know, it's like, do I actually want to be part of it? Maybe not. But like, the thing is, it's like, we get so hung up on the details of our pain and it's like, well, no one's story has been exactly like mine and no one, you know, was in a relationship with as big of a douchebag as my guy. And it's just like, pain is pain is pain. It's like, you can't. And that's why I feel like we don't get the validation for our pain from certain people in our lives, especially people who have been through like real hardships. Like I feel like there's always a comparison between, especially on social media, there's a comparison between like, Oh, well there are kids starving in, you know, this country right now. So we don't care about your self image or your body dysmorphia, where it's like, I get why people might say that. But when we start comparing our pain to other people's pain, whether it's to validate our pain or to diminish its value, it's just not helpful. It's not helpful to you. And therefore, you're no longer helpful to other people. And so I think being able to just recognize what we're feeling as pain without having to put a label on it or dissect all the different components of why it is that we're feeling a certain way. It gives us more of a freedom to just heal and to kind of make our situation a little bit more generic and in that way be able to relate to other people who have gone through pain.
1: Right. I mean, I think at at the beginning of your response, you said, like you want to be part of the club. And I think I think everybody would benefit by going through the 12 steps, right? Because it, it's like, who wouldn't become a better person when they learn how to get spiritual or they learn that they have to take accountability for their actions or they have to make amends for the people that they hurt or that to realize that sometimes they're powerless over things that happen around them and can go on and on. Also, I guess like the biggest thing is being of service. And I just think if people could embrace those different mentalities, I think the world would for sure be a a much better place. And, you know, as far as vulnerability goes, I know it can be like very challenging for people, especially when you're in the public eye so much and maybe you have partnerships with companies, maybe you have, you know, deals with, with brands where you're posting stuff on social media, maybe you just have such an engaged following that they might have one idea of who you are and then you make a post like the post you made the other day about the photos or or something else. like How do you like muster up the courage? Like what goes through your mind as you're getting ready to post something on social media? Maybe not like now, maybe you've gotten used to it, but I'm saying like the early days of you making a vulnerable post, like how did you develop the confidence to post something where you didn't know how it was gonna be received?
0: I don't know if I've ever really thought about like, where did I get the confidence to do it? but I think I've always been pretty sure that I wasn't the only person feeling a certain way. I think because I am in this world of, you know, influencers and both my sisters are models and my sister was Miss Universe and I, and people are like, oh, she's the, she's like the most beautiful girl in the world, which I'm just, I was always like, okay, that's very subjective. That seems very unfair to be you know. You're like, like, what
1: about me? You're like, what about me? <laughs> I'm
0: like, oh, oh I just yeah. her. No, but like I think, just like being really in that world, and then and, and seeing young girls look up to me and and my sisters, like I, I did, feel an obligation to be like, listen, she's got her shit, I've got my shit. We're all experiencing all sorts of pain, and 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 you're not alone in feeling in feeling the way you do. I, I just I know everybody has insecurities, and if when you're trying to evolve yourself, I think there is this period of time where you just need to like lay it all out. And for me, it's very cathartic to kind of just be like, here, this is all of my shit. I don't actually want it anymore. So like, here, you you guys can, here's it. I'm going to lay it out there for the world to read. And that way it kind of like loses its power over me. And you know, it, for those of you who it can help, there it is. And, and I think I got a little taste of that. I was, I've written a couple like vulnerable posts every now and then It's probably like every time I'm like, coming off of my latest addiction or something, I'm like, okay, I, I need to like release. So it's kind of like my diary. And then I'm like, uh, felt felt vulnerable, might delete later. But like my the response is over, is always like overwhelmingly, for every like 100 positive messages, there's always like one really mean one. So like, I'm not going to say, and of course, it's the mean one that you remember. But like, for me, it's enough that it got such a big reaction. And Made people feel less alone, and and these kind of posts are the posts that I'll I'll get messages about like years down the down the road, people still will remember something that I wrote, and and for me that's like enough validation. It's enough like it's enough hype for me to like put up my next vulnerable post another time. And then sometimes I wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh, I can't believe that's living on the internet right now. Like yes, but it's kind of like you know it's it's worth it. I I think you just have to kind of like weigh the pros and cons of being vulnerable. And in the moment I felt strong. Do I always feel strong enough to have like all of my truths out there on the internet? Definitely not. But that's what the delete button is for.
1: (laughs) Right. And it's always this mind game, right? Of like, how is it going to appear if I delete it? Or how is it going to appear if I just leave? Like, how is it going to appear if I delete it? Like, you know, if people are going to say things either way. And I love what you said about just like, essentially like emptying all the skeletons out of the closet. Right. And just putting them all out there for, for people to see and for world the universe to use in whatever way, like it's intended to. And it goes back to like, I don't know if you've ever seen eight mile, but in eight mile where with Eminem, where he comes out and like raps, like about all the bad stuff that the other guy is going to come out and, and say about him. And then the guy has like nothing to say to him. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: That is like that. Right. Yeah, in 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 a way, it's almost like me being like, "Oh, really? Like you want to say mean stuff about me?" Because I know all the real dirt, and like here, <laughs> I can say I can tell you all of it. At that it is, I guess maybe it is a little bit of a defense mechanism, and it's very empowering to know that, like, okay, all of my shit, I can put all my shit out there. One, I'm not going to be the only person in the world who feels that way, so it's nice to build a community where you where you can feel like. Oh, I'm not. I, I'm not alone, and in, in, I'm not the only one who like gave herself like a new set of like teeth. On you know, it's like you can laugh about it, but but it definitely it's nice to be able to just feel not not so alone. I feel like that's like one of the positives about Instagram. That's why I defend it. That's why I feel like you know people love to hate influencers, but I think there's something really courageous about being vulnerable and to let yourself be seen through all of the cringy phases that being human entails. And, you know, they're not over yet. This is this is a shit show that's just going to keep on rolling out for the world to see.
1: Yeah, no, it's not going away. And it's only, I think, going to get bigger because we're seeing just advertising dollars and, and just money just flowing into social media, podcasting, and it's becoming like the new form of media so as far as like parenting and like how it relates to like body image and self-esteem like i've i've had a lot of conversations with people you know off and online about like well what like after pregnancy and after you like have a baby there's this period where there people are trying to get back to the point of their health before they were pregnant and it can be this constant battle and there's so much pressure that goes along with that because especially if you're online as a health and wellness person like you're almost expected by the world to have some some sort of physique or body like this entire time which we all know is is not true or realistic so did you ever have like any kind of battles with that after having a baby? And if so, like, what was, what was that like? And then how did you kind of talk yourself through it and, and overcome that?
0: Yeah, I definitely think, you know, I I know women who gained a hundred pounds during pregnancy. I, I feel like I didn't have quite such like a stark body change where I felt like I was ashamed or embarrassed. I know that there's a lot of that out there. My body certainly changed. I, I, I gained More weight than I was supposed to with both of my pregnancies, says my doctor. And then, you know, there's this whole culture around like bouncing back. And when, you know, when you're expected to kind of reappear as your old self after you have a a kid, it's completely unrealistic. After you have a child, you are never your old self ever again. At least for me, I, I was, I struggled with anxiety after my first, during my pregnancy with my second. I had like perinatal anxiety, depression. It was, the height of COVID, I was like trapped in my house, trapped in my body. There was, there's just so much going on with your hormones when you can't go to your to your old crutches of like drinking wine or whatever it might be. Like people turn to food. For me, I was like obsessed with these stuffed cookies. They're called. I definitely did not gain weight the healthy way. You know, I think it, it's just a lifestyle. At the end of the day you're going to be, whether or not you're continuing to breastfeed, whether or not you're going to, uh, when you plan to hop back into your exercising, doesn't take the same amount of time for every person to get to a body that they're comfortable with. And I think what we really need to normalize is never getting back to that old body. I did a post recently, a couple months ago about a breast surgery that I got. I got a breast lift And I did not get implants in them because I wanted it to be like as natural as possible. But I wasn't ashamed about getting this surgery because I breastfed both of my children for over a year each. There was nothing left in my boobs. (laughs) I was like, I'm not happy with the way this looks on me. And I'm okay with sharing that. And, you know, this is the surgery I got. I just want to let you guys know. So you don't think that like, this is what your boobs look like after you breastfeed two kids for, you know, three years. So I, I don't think there's any right or wrong answer about like, do you, you, you want to get liposuction? Do you want to get a breast surgery? Do you want to just like work out? The thing is, I think I think this the dangerous part is when people think that just by eating healthy and working out, you're going to get your old body back because it's just not going to happen unless you're very lucky. But for the most part, it's not going to happen. And I think that's... What I liked to do what I tried to do is follow account on instagram of moms who were really honest who were showing their stretch marks who were showing there are just as many of those accounts out there as there are of the ones who you know they yesterday they pushed out the baby and today they have the six pack back so it's just like it's finding your people I think
1: right yeah and you mentioned like you can choose who to to follow on social media and I think that's just as important in this day and age as the people you spend time with, right? Is like, who are you spending time with online? Like, are you following accounts that that bring the best out in you that, that maybe cha- that challenge you to be a better person that that you see like in alignment with? Or are you spending time following accounts that are just like sucking the life out of you constantly?
0: So, it's so true.
1: Right. And I, and I know you've mentioned you've had like this unhealthy relationship at times with with fitness, like over-exercising, over-running, over-yoga-ing, I don't know, is that a word? I just make that up. yogi yeah, um, I
0: don't
1: know. <laughs> <yogi>. <laughs> um, where are you at now with that? Like being that your a couple years past like your second pregnancy and now you're, you've got so much going on like personally and professionally, like w- what are you doing to nourish yourself wellness-wise in a way that's healthy?
0: What I'm doing now is, well, first of all, from month to month, it changes. But I'm trying to hone in on getting the most energy I can from the food I eat and from the exercise I do. And I haven't quite found the balance yet because what I was doing at first was just like hot yoga five days a week and I ended up being dehydrated. I ended up being, uh, I couldn't keep up with the water, I think, or the electrolyte imbalance, but I really like hot yoga. And that's one of the exercises that I, that I do all the time, but I'm still trying to find a balance in order to figure out what is giving me the most amount of energy. Because I think if we can stand in a place of, of having a good source of energy, we can make better decisions. We can, you know, try to ultimately live more integrous lives. I mentioned in my post that I'm, I'm going through some like big changes in my life and with and I have a lot that's coming up on, on my plate in terms of uh, my sisters and I are launching a reality show where, which is very, a very vulnerable place to be in. Um, so I just feel like making sure that I'm standing with my two feet on the ground is very important. And for me, I know that that means that I have to be doing yoga at least a couple times a week. If I withhold anything from myself, I'll end up binging on it the next week. I think you just kind of need to get to know yourself that way. I know people who have been, you know, carb free for five years and they love that lifestyle. I could never be that way. I, I don't know really what the right answer is for, for diet, but I think once you kind of play around and realize like, where am I getting the most energy from? Then you just kind of go with that. I, I say always go with where you're getting the, the best source of energy from.
1: Yeah. And I think it's very individualistic. Like You have to find what works for you. Like if you find peace and, and nourishment and you're getting results from like doing, like yoga, then I think you, people should continue to do that. If people are finding results, go into what's, what's be- like berries is like the thing out there. There's not I I do, there's I berries. Do berries
0: too. I'll do berries. Okay. berries is no more than like once a week for me. That's an intense workout, but I I really do love berries. Oh, and you want to know what actually I'm starting and I, I, I didn't bring this up because, but I'm so excited about this. So I'm starting jujitsu next week for the first time. <laughs> I'm going to start taking lessons. I'm a little nervous because my sister's boyfriend who's like a very elite athlete hooked me up with the daughter of like some world-renowned sensei and I'm like I hope she doesn't expect too much for me but that's something that I've always been really interested in is like self-defense like women's empowerment and and kind of like trying to mesh like the whole like peace in mind and spirit with exercise and I haven't done that yet other than I guess yoga is what I where I found it in the past I, I always say, like, I'd probably be dead in a ditch somewhere if I never found yoga. For me, it really is, like, it's my piece, and I love it. I like the detox and the movement and the breathing and, and you know, and you burn calories. So,
1: a little bit of that. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, <laughs> I think there's nothing better to practice quieting your mind and being with your thoughts and being, like, where you are in that moment than things like yoga and meditation. So, like, lately... Like when you're in these moments of peace and silence and you're meditating or doing yoga, like what are some of the thoughts that are are coming through your head that maybe are empowering you as a woman, that are empowering you as a human, that are getting you by like day in and day out to become a better version of yourself?
0: Man, usually when I'm meditating, the thoughts are not like the, they're always like the thoughts that you are trying to like brush away. But but I, I think I, I think if I understand your question correctly, some of the things that are keeping me, you know, grounded in my peace and, and able to kind of take steps in the right direction every day. It's just number one, knowing that I'm not alone. Number two, and, and not alone, meaning that like I have a great support system you know, even if I had crappy friends and a horrible family, like you're, I don't think you're ever alone. And just to always, to realize that, to look for the, there's always a community out there that that is willing and, and, and wanting to accept you. And, and, and I feel that I've, that I've, I've never been scared to be a beginner at something. And that's something that I think has really helped me. Like, I'm, I'm not afraid to step into a group. and be like, uh, you know, am I think I'm an alcoholic, or, or like, can you guys support me? Maybe I'm not, but like, can you please give me a hug? <laughs> I don't know. You know, like, I think that that's important to to be able to to connect with people and be vulnerable enough to be like, just to be vulnerable enough to to show up as you are and to ask for help. I think it's scary, like the impermanence of things in life, especially like if, as relationships end or you hear tragedies all the time, and especially being a mother, like. It's scary, but I think just always knowing that like the only constant you can rely on is that everything's changing, this too shall pass. You know, the pain that you're in now is not something you need to be in forever. And with that, like you can't be too attached to anything. So like try not to let yourself get too high or too low. I think for me that's a that's like it's a calming thought because it's hard to remember sometimes that like where you are at where you're at right now is it's not gonna last that should be comforting.
1: And thoughts have so much power, right? And that's kind of what I was trying to get at is I think what's helped me like when I'm going through something challenging, if I'm trying to get some quiet time or meditate, like, yeah, like a lot of the the ruminating thoughts will certainly come through my mind, as I'm sure like you just alluded to go through yours. But like some of the things that like I'll think about is like, you know, you're not alone, you're going to get through this, like, just give it one more day, one more shot, like, like tomorrow like tomorrow is going to be different like just different things that like allow me to have peace and optimism that tomorrow is going to be better than today like that was like what got me through people are always like well what mindset shifts did you make like I, I was in jail for felony drug charges and people were like well like how did you go from being that person that you were a drug addict and selling drugs and you know overweight like all these things like how did you get through like the early stages of your transformation. And I literally had like blind faith in my ability to succeed. Like I, like 90% of me thought I was going to fail, like literally because of, of my track record before, but I knew if I could just lean in to that small bit of faith that I had developed while I was in jail and just give it everything I had and do whatever it took to be better today than the day before, that it at least gave me a chance like for survival right for that next day and i think that's a and i I share that because i think that's a mindset that everybody can hang on to when they're going through hard times because i think what trips people up is that they think that that moment of pain like is going to be how you are for the rest of your life or you think you're just never going to get through and it's just not the case
0: yeah I, i totally agree the power of the mind the power of you know it's all, it's energy, just like I was talking about before, and like where you put your energy, it grows. And I think that that's it, it is a choice in a certain way of like, what do we want to focus on right now? Like everything that's going wrong, or do we want to give more energy to, you know, that little bit of what's going right? And if you keep focusing in that direction, I mean, it, I watched a documentary called uh, Heal, I think it's Healing or To Heal, and it's about the guy who like literally he they said that his spine would never work again or, and he sat in meditation and just imagined his spine stacking, you know, vertebrae on vertebrae and he healed himself. And like, there's so many stories like that where people literally just are imagining the best case scenario with such vivid um, imagery and, and it becomes reality. And, and I mean, I think I know on the flip side, it's like, if you think about how shitty everything is, The one thing I do know is that it doesn't make anything feel better. So, and I think remembering that too is, is really helpful to me. It's like focusing on the problem. It never, it never helps. Um, So yeah, I know I love what you said about, about just believing in that 10%, choosing to believe in that 10% and that, you know, you, you were somebody worth saving.
1: And it's hard. It's really, really hard. I'm sure you can relate to this. It's, it's super challenging that when a problem arises it's hard to not fall into that trap of like emotional dumping whether it be with friends whether it be on social media at times whether it just be like checking out and just watching like TV for days and days and days or, or whatever I like fill in the blank and just focusing on the problem like it's really it's really hard to get out of that but what I do know is like you're your only shot at making it out of that problem is to focus on the solution. Like there's, there's no other choice. Like if you focus on the problem and just put all your energy into that, like the problem is gonna perpetuate, perpetuate, and It might even become worse if you end up making knucklehead decisions as a res- in response to whatever problem that you're you're facing. I want to go back into something you said where you said like you few you felt like you didn't. You would be in a ditch somewhere if if you didn't do yoga like why like what was it about what is it about yoga or what is it that's inside of you that you felt like just was just so like pent up that yoga gives you such a positive outlet for that
0: i've always been it's funny you say like oh you're an old soul it seems like you've lived a lot of lives like I, I was dropping acid when I was like fifteen years old. I let's a go. From when I was fourteen, <laughs> I was sneaking out of windows, and I came from a good family. Like I was just like kind of a bad kid. Like I, I, you know, and a lot of shame results from that. I was like promiscuous in high school, and then and then like right when I got to college, I was like, okay, I'm actually going to be different now. I'm just going to be a different person. But it's like that energy doesn't go- just like disappear once you choose to be different. Like if you're sick of like, you know, people calling you, you know, this, that, and the other thing, and you, and you, now you want to create a new you that's great and fine and dandy. But like, unless you have like a place to put all that energy that got you to, through those, you know, habits in the first place, it's just going to show it, show up somewhere else. And so for me, what I, what ended up, you know, manifesting into bad relationships or just all sorts of chaos in my life, I started doing yoga and I got, well, actually I took a trip to India and I learned about like the philosophy of of the yogis. And what I really realized was that like, for me more than anything, it was like that your that my body was holding in this energy that like needed to be released. And when I would go through certain postures or like learn about what the posture means and that like, you know, certain energy is stored in your hips and actually really being able to feel the emotional release that happens when you sit in some of these poses. I liked the challenge of it. I liked the high of it. Like it, it does have that sort of like, like, I don't want to say it's a drug, but in a way it kind of, you kind of get addicted to that feeling of just being able to release the shit that you're holding into. And like a lot of the shit that we're holding onto, we don't even realize like we're scrolling mindfully. And then like, and then I'll be like, Oh, where's that feeling from? Like, I just feel like annoyed. And then I'm like, it's because of that thing that I just saw on Instagram It's like triggered me. And it's like, okay, this is so interesting that like now I'm able to kind of be like, okay, I feel annoyed. I know where it came from. I'm going to like do an exercise to read through it and release it. it. Kind of like to be able to view your emotions like that in this objective way, it kind of, you know, it takes the power away from them. And then when you move through yoga or any kind of breathing exercise or whatever, whatever workout you might be doing, for me, it was yoga. It really helped me release the energy that was stuck in me and, and, you know, and preventing me from probably getting into a lot of other bad habits that I thought would release the energy, you know, like drinking your drugs or whatever, um, that end up just, of course, making it worse in the end.
1: I knew it. I knew there was something like that, like like from the the past that like, because I could tell you're like an old soul that's been through a lot, right? Because you've, you've lived like a, a pretty wholesome life. Like as far as like your relationship to Olivia specifically, and I'm asking this just out of pure curiosity, I don't know. Was there any kind of like jealousy ever like towards the amount of attention that she was getting? being that she was like Miss Universe, Miss America, like all these things, was there ever like any of that that she was getting more attention than you? Or was it like, would you say it was pretty even? Like, how did that all play out?
0: Man, I, I didn't want to be the jealous girl. Like I knew that wasn't like a cute look. But yeah, like there was a time in my life when I had just like, I just like dropped out of law school and I had gotten in a really bad relationship and, and she was like taking the, you know, the fast elevator to the top. And I was just like, And I felt jealous and I didn't want to feel jealous. And I'm like, like, I I do believe that the universe kind of presents you with situations in your life that are perfect for helping you meet the things that you need to work through. And for me, Olivia's success was such an optimal opportunity for me to, to realize like, is there anyone else in the world who I would want the best for than my sister? Like, would I want somebody else to have won that? Would I want anybody else to be happier than her? Like, you know, I think for me, like, you know, you hear about tragedy. My mom's sister died when she was in, in high school. And she, it's like a pain that she carries with her for her whole life. And, and, and here I am with this sister who is crushing it in life. And it's like, I think I just made the decision one day to, to be like, it would be silly for me to want anything less than what is absolutely the best for you. And I think also the tables kind of turned throughout that journey where she had was going through crappy relationships, and and I was kind of a like a healing friend for her, and we've just been there for each other through all of our life experiences. And and I think you know I've seen what it looks like to be for her to be worked to the bone and to be struggling with anxiety and, you know, that money doesn't solve all problems and having everybody think you're beautiful doesn't always, you know, it doesn't, if anything, honestly, it creates more complication in your life. And, and I think what I learned from her whole experience is just that outside validation is never going to make you happy. And she's found other ways to make herself happy, but it's not, it wasn't the crown. It wasn't the everybody thinking you're hot and all that stuff. And I think So I learned a lot from her lesson, from her lessons that she learned that I got to witness, but also just, I learned that like jealousy is such a choice and you have to be happy for other people's successes. And honestly, I think once I was able to be happy for her successes, I got like the trickle down effect. (laughs) Like I started being like, yeah, you know, I'm able to just go along for this ride. It was like, then I got to have a best friend who also gives me like career opportunities and, and I get to learn from her mistakes and, I think a lot of doors opened once I was like truly happy for her in a way that had nothing to do with me.
1: Right. Right. I mean, I mean, yeah. Cause at the end of the day, like we all know that it doesn't matter how much validation or how much, how many people like you, like you still have to be happy with yourself and be able to wear like your own crown based on how you feel about who you are as a person and like what you're contributing to the world and and honestly like i think it's a normal human emotion doesn't matter if they're they're related to you or not to be like jealous right because we all want to be seen we all want to be heard we all want to be like attractive and when you see like your sister being voted as like the most like beautiful person on the universe it's like wait like wait Like what about me? Or like, like, who are the
0: judges on this thing anyway?
1: (laughs) Yeah, they're like, what are they? What are they talking about? So I want, I want to talk about the reality show if we can. Like, like, what's the premise of the reality show? Like, like, what separates it from some of the other family reality shows, like the Kardashians or like Vanderpump or some of the other ones that we've seen.
0: So this, this is a. A little bit more wholesome. Well, I don't know if he's like we call it more wholesome. It's a family docuseries. There's a lot of comedy in there. There's no bullshit. It's more of a, um, like, I guess the Kardashians is more of like, every episode is tied up with like a nice like bow at the end. Ours is kind of a little bit more raw, a little bit more like, National Geographics meets Culpo Sisters. So basically, it's just it's just another way for us to connect with our audience and to kind of show a little bit of the background of what's going on in each of our lives. Like I said, with Olivia's life, like she's traveling all the time, but like what's actually happening behind the scenes is oftentimes nothing doesn't look anything like what's actually being shown in these curated, you know, this curated world of Instagram. So It's very real. It's very raw. There is a lot of personal stuff that that I struggled with, like, how much of this do I want to share? And at what point does this feel like exploitative? But at the end of the day, I made a commitment to sharing what I felt would be helpful for somebody else who might be going through the same situation. And so I think I did my best to be like an open book in that way. And I hope that, you know, Somebody who's watching it and going through similar situations as me can feel less alone. So I guess that's ultimately my my overarching goal right now in life.
1: I love it. National Geographic meets uh, <laughs> Culpo family. I think people, I guess, are going to get a lot of, out of it once it sets to premiere
0: um, later this year. Hopefully, hopefully in the fall. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but I think I think in the fall.
1: It's Discovery Plus too, right?
0: Yeah, it's Discovery Plus under the umbrella of TLC. So. You know, nothing raunchy. It's
1: it's a nice family family show. Cool. Well, I mean, uh, people listening to this definitely be on the lookout for it because if it's in fact National Ge- Geographic meets uh, Colpo <laughs> Family, call
0: me about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a feeling I'm going to get shit for that later.
1: No, um, it's okay. You're fine. Yeah. I, so I guess as we come to okay close in our our conversation, I guess like or the last question I want to ask you is, you know, we've been talking a lot like intermittently throughout this conversation about different moments of your life and different aspects of healing different aspects of self-esteem like relationship you know to yourself and other people like where do you see yourself like in the next like two to three years like if you were to say like like i want to make these like i need to make a couple changes in my life or whatever you're working on right now like where do you want to get to in the next two to three years personally and professionally
0: I like to try to have like bigger goals without really being too specific about the details because sometimes I feel like I can that can get in the way of manifesting what I something that you know is maybe grander than I could have imagined for myself. But ultimately, I want to be in a place where I am helping other people where I'm able to kind of teach people through my own experience. Um, I want to develop my personal brand. I have a website actually that's coming out in, well, I don't want to say when because maybe it'll take longer, but about a month. That's just everything like real mom, no bullshit, it has a lot of like blog posts, stuff like that, but also um, all of my favorite resources, my favorite books, things that have gotten me through like different times in my life. So ultimately I just, I want to create my community. I want to continue to create a community of um People that I can engage with and, and learn from and they can learn from me. I'm hoping this reality show takes off because I think it's, you know, really fun to be able to lay it all out there for everybody to kind of join in on the journey with us. But yeah, I hope not to have any more kids. I hope just to have two. <laughs> <So> that's-, <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's awesome. Well, oh, I yeah. think you have a great mission, great purpose, and I'm sure you're going to continue to crush it and my, my last question, I guess something that just popped up that I wanted to ask you, but I totally forgot was I know like you have, you got your degree, I think in like early childhood education or something, and you studied like, you're like a behavior analyst, I think also, like, how has all of that helped you as a mom? Like, is it almost like giving you an edge as far as like how to help your help teach your kids and help them like learn more efficiently?
0: You would think, I mean, honestly, I feel like if anything, it just makes me feel more guilty for the fact that I don't practice anything that I know actually works and is effective. I I feel like when they're your own kids, it's like all rules go out the window and it's like, oh, you're screaming here. Let me just give you the iPad. That'll teach you to just have you on the iPad, just scream. It definitely makes me more in tune to, I think sometimes being able to understand what a tantrum really means or... I think all of my background in education definitely gives me an upper hand in a way, but in another way, it makes me feel like I should be doing better than I am. Being a parent is a shit show, and I feel like parent or sorry teacher, or not teacher, behavior analyst or not. It's like uh sometimes you just want to do the easy thing, and that's usually not the right thing, so both of my kids are toddlers right now. So specifically where I am in life is like, there's just a lot, there's not really reasoning with the toddler. There's a lot of like, you kind of have to train them. And in order to do that, you have to be very consistent. Consistency has never really been my skill. Kind of like I'm very flexible, which is not great for training small humans. So anyway, I'm a, (laughs) doing my best. I don't know if that answers your question, but I think it, I think it helps, but also not really.
1: Well, I just think it helps like summarize as we bring the conversation to a close, like just how vulnerable, honest and real you are and how much I think people are going to really get a lot out of this conversation. And so if people want to connect with you, if they want to follow your journey on Instagram or any other social platforms, like where's the best place for them to do that?
0: Yeah. um, Follow me on my Instagram, Aurora Culpo and uh, my website will be up there soon we have our reality show coming out in the fall and i have a couple other things that um not allowed to say yet but a lot of exciting things coming in the future and different ways to connect so i'm excited about that
1: awesome well i will make sure to plug the the link to connect with you on instagram in the show notes and for those that are listening or watching what i invite you to do to share a takeaway maybe it was something that aurora said about when we talked about like photo editing maybe it was something that she said about like the jealousy thing with olivia maybe it was something that she said about the power of meditation and yoga or healing whatever it was tag aurora and tag myself because we'd love to hear your feedback and we once again thank you for listening to this episode of the adversity advantage i'm your host doug bopes and we'll see you next time